0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in
1: Tuscaloosa. Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. It's third down. Underneath, and touchdown Rashawn White! Tie game with the extra
2: point to come.
0: Demario Davis, he looks
3: in at the quarterback at Brady. Right there, he's looking here on Brady, and you're going to see that it's just enough that keeps him from being able to. I've been a broadcaster all my life. All I can say is just unbelievable. It's just unbelievable what this guy continues to do time after time after time. Brady did it again. I know 17 3. I flipped back over. I flipped back over. And then suddenly, there they are. Yeah. Like one touchdown, take it away. That doesn't matter to Tom Brady, does it? Lars Anderson knows Brady on a somewhat personal level from the books he's done with Bruce Arians.
4: So I just opened the show with I can't explain it. Can you? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's like with Nick Saban. What's the secret to his success? What is the secret to Tom Brady's success? can be distilled into two words, hard work. Um, My last book was called A Season in the Sun, and it was about uh, Tampa's championship run uh, to the Super Bowl uh, in Brady's first year and and how they landed Brady. And uh, I did spend a good bit of time with Tom, got to know him pretty well. Um, and, uh, it's interesting, you know, uh, the, the Buccaneers, they can, uh, they, and, and Christian knows this better than, than me, but the Buccaneers issue like, uh, iPads, right? To their, all their players and, and, uh, they can tell who is on their iPad studying more. They can, they can measure it. Guess who every week? Is on their iPad the most.
3: How, how can you tell when he's thrown it t- through the fence? Uh, <laughs> you know, when it earlier this week, I think it was a playbook or something. He threw against the Saints, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, but I'm just No, I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it works, everybody. Yeah, it
4: works, everybody, and. Look, they've had their struggles this year, uh, and and I, I really think they miss Bruce Arians a lot. And there's been so much speculation about why Bruce uh, stepped away. Did Brady force him out? Was there a a, a a fracture of their relationship? And I can tell you unequivocally, there was not a fracture of their re- of their relationship. I mean, I I know it. it's like I'm in the middle of it. I'm in the middle of like this marriage between Tom and 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 BA. And, uh, and, and I know that B.A. has been sort of working with Tom and uh, talking to him and just helping on sort of like the, the mental side of things. And, um, and, and it's just been a frustrating year for them because of uh, decimating injuries to their offensive line. Uh, sort of inconsistency at wide receiver. Mike Evans has been in and out of the lineup. Chris Godwin still coming back from that knee injury, not necessarily a hundred percent. And it's been a it's been a struggle for them. But you know, last night in the fourth quarter, it was just more Brady magic and throwing the touchdown pass. There was eight seconds at the beginning of the play, three seconds at the end of it, and uh, they get a really big win because the Saints. For whatever reason, they have had Tampa's number, and it, the, the, and, uh, and, and and that has been just a, a team that has befuddled Brady. If you go back to Brady's first start with Tampa, uh, his very first start, he threw two picks, and uh, and they were, they were going against um, uh, the, the Saints. And all like right out of the gate and they lost the game and, and Brady's always just had a hard time figuring out that saints defense. But when it mattered most, Tom delivered. And that's what Tom does, even that, even at his age and man, he's still got, um, uh, he's still got juice in his arm. And it's because of the, the plyometrics that he believes in, you know, he doesn't lift big time weights. It's all about stretching and, and band work and, and uh and it's just it is it is like when you get down to a granular level and analyze everything about Tom Brady and just like what he does to prepare a football that he will use in a game yeah we're familiar with it i mean well i <laughs> I'm I, I, just joking. I, I yeah i mean i don't know anything about that i just know Like it's like a a newborn child to him that he will work on and nurture and and make sure this it it has the uh, proper feel to it. Um, but uh, yeah, Deflate Gate. I, I don't know. It, to me, it's much ado about nothing. But um, anyway, but yeah, very impressive. Uh, Tampa now certainly is on their way to uh, getting the uh, winning the, the the division. The NFC West is the or not the NFC West. It's the uh, South NFC South. The worst it's a division. Mess. The worst division in football. And at six and six, they are just riding way ahead of everybody else. But uh, Christian your your thoughts on on the game last night and just tom brady and uh and what uh what you have seen from him just uh you know as a kid growing up and as a player in the nfl
5: yeah you know he's just the ultimate competitor you know he just got that fire um inside him just that that burning desire uh to win you know you look at him on the sideline just slamming tablets yelling and screaming at his teammates and uh it looks unpleasant but you know you need that type of leadership to really you know hound on those guys and get them uh motivated and and get them to to go out there and do their job to a high standard and uh he's just so fun to watch man you just you watch him and he just has that killer instinct uh, that killer instinct he just reminds you of guys like like the michael jordans larry bird just guys that just take over and, and dominate football games um but uh you know i thought the most pivotal point in that game really though if you go back to around like the six minute mark you had mark ingram who caught that pass from the backfield And on second down, he had a chance to get the first down, but he might have, you know, been hurt or something because he goes out of bounds, like right shy of uh, the first down. And ultimately, you know, that gave Tampa Bay the ball back. The uh, the Saints had a punt. And um, that's kind of what led to this comeback. And obviously, you know, Tom Brady working his magic but uh I, I thought that was a huge uh, critical uh, moment in the game because I do feel if he got that first down, they would have had another uh, uh um, first and ten and could have potentially scored right there or you know ran out some more of that clock but um man, just watching Tom Brady uh, over the years you just you just have to respect his game, you know the fact that he's doing it at that age um, is mind blowing i mean i just I know what it takes to to have your body. Um, prepared to compete at that level and to do it for that long and that length of time and to do it at that level um, is unprecedented. And I, I think it's just amazing to watch. And, uh, you know, growing up, my, I was like wanting to play against guys like that. And I remember I got to play against them in a preseason game um, in New England. It was the coolest thing watching them run out there. And I was just kind of I was like, wow. I'm about to play against Tom Brady. Did you uh, did you get <laughs> did you get him to the ground? Did oh, you get man. his jersey? No, I don't think he would have gave me the time of day. <laughs> I wanted to. I was like, <laughs> man, I should go ask for his jersey. But he goes, who is this guy? But uh <laughs> no, I'd I did not get it uh I didn't get a sack on him, but uh, it just was the experience itself was so cool to go get go against him in Gillette Stadium.
4: And, and and Matt, just before you respond, um I think we also need to remember all the turmoil in his personal life it is hard to focus on your job when you are going through a divorce I know that firsthand it is just it's it's the most devastating thing that can happen to you especially when you got small kids and you're as high profile as Tom and and Giselle and uh, I, I'm I'm glad that they worked it out pretty much behind closed doors uh, the divorce and 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 kept everything you know out of the public eye but it has got to be just so difficult for Tom right
3: now. Well, but he once he gets on the field, it's kind of a different situation. He did mention that the Vivian, his daughter, turned 10. That was his, her birthday, and I guess her birthday present. But when she asked him if it could beat this win tonight, he said, I don't know. Brady said, because they've kind of had their number, he said, I don't know. We're playing the Saints. A, a note concerning Mark Ingram that Christian just mentioned, he apologized after the game. You know, he said, man, I let us down. Which is a very class act thing to do, and not surprised by Mark Ingram. But Christian, I wanted to ask you: you played against the guy, you've watched the guy. What what's inside your helmet when you almost know what's coming, and he's under center?
5: You just know you have to. That sounds like a broken record. I feel like, but again, I mean, look the big the biggest thing uh, that affects quarterbacks, right? It's is. is affecting them whether that's getting sacks or pressures and forcing them to make turnovers right and and going against a guy like that you see tom brady when he gets sacked he is pissed off he hates it when he's affected he hates it he's screaming at his linemen when he when he throws an interception he is cussing screaming like throwing his helmet those are the type of things that you have to do to affect him and get him off his game if not he's going to pick you apart and you can't let him sit back there because he's going to make all the you know he's going to make all the throws i mean honestly majority of the quarterbacks on the nfl level they're all of them can make the throws that's why i've always been against just dropping eight guys and just trying to play the zone defense because all it takes is i mean six inches of separation these quarterbacks are going to put the ball in that window and the receivers can make a catch so if i'm going against tom brady again i mean i know he can't move he's not very mobile i'm i'm pressuring him, getting after him and i'm just doing my best to just kind of just affecting him and and just make him frustrated because anytime somebody's playing emotional and they're playing with frustration. They're not going to be locked in uh, the way they normally should be.
4: Yeah, it's just, um, you know, it, it has not been an easy ride this year for for Tampa at all. And uh, you go back to last year, you know, they were just a play away from beating the Rams and probably getting to the Super Bowl. Uh, and, and then to have the struggles this year. Uh, Todd Bowles um, you know he, he's made some tactical mistakes I think and I like Todd a lot I really do I've spent a lot of time with him and he is exactly the same in person as he is on the sideline he's as stone-faced as anyone I've ever met in my life but he, he does crack a smile every once in a while uh, but uh, you know it, it, they just again the team has really been hit hard by injuries but this this could be a turnaround. I mean, it, Christian, when you have a, a a game like this, where you know the the probability win rate when it was sixteen to three, and and Tampa could not move the ball, uh, had to be uh, you know about two percent, one percent or something, and to have Brady then engineer this last second comeback victory, is this the kind of win that you can really? Uh, that can really set you up well and get you on an upward trajectory for the rest of your season?
5: Most definitely. I think these wins are, are crucial. They're pivotal. Um, the number one game mo- uh, motivation and momentum, uh, but also when you're going against uh, a division rival, um, like that that's like you mentioned earlier Lars. you have a lot of history with and you always have each other's numbers it always just uh you know sets you on the right uh, uh right note and and uh definitely helps you going forward and uh, i think they definitely can build off of this and uh, kind of get back to uh the level of play that we're used to seeing from tom brady and those guys uh in tampa bay
3: uh speaking of nfl quarterbacks we'll be talking to one's father your buddy,
4: Jimmy Burrow, will be Jimmy joining Jimmy Burrow, father of Joe Burrow, is going to join us next hour. It's going to be great. Bottom and, of the hour at one thirty.
3: And at the bottom of the hour here at 12.30, we're talking to Terry Henley just to get an update on what's happening in Auburn. And by the way, I don't know if they keep such records. I'm sure they do. Is Alabama about to set a record for the most players entering a transfer portal? It's now at a dozen. The last one surprised me a little bit.
1: From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. It's the Tuscaloosa Community Calendar, powered by Pepsi.
0: Looking for ways to give this holiday season? Be sure to support the wonderful children of the Benjamin. 63, tomorrow, a warm December day, a mixture of clouds and sunshine with only isolated showers around the high 76. I'm James Spam of the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 71 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
3: Back on Big Noon Sports, Christian, uh, Christian Norman Colter along with Lars Anderson. We're talking a lot about Tom Brady. We'll talk more NFL. Also uh, continue to talk about uh, what's near and dear to us, and that's college football in this state. Terry Henley will talk Auburn. You know, he was he was the big Lane Kiffin guy to start with. Uh, Auburn ends up with Hugh Freeze. Be interested to, to get his thoughts on that. As I'm sure there is one guy that is working the phones and working the portal probably harder than anybody other than maybe Lane Kiffin, and that's Freeze find a quarterback. Nick uh, Zach Calzada entered the portal, so I'm sure he's looking for a quarterback. But I was really, really surprised as the list continues to grow. There's a dozen, now maybe 13, on what Alabama players have entered the transfer portal. And some of them I'm not surprised at all. Uh, Trey Sanders, I totally understand. And I wish him nothing but good luck. I wish them all good luck, actually. But when I saw Joe Joe Earl Christian I was a little bit surprised because here's a guy that has contribute uh contributed and I thought had a really well he already had a promising future but um I thought he was going to be a go-to guy for Alabama. What's up with that?
5: You know it's tough to say. You know some guys just aren't, you know, great fits. Um if I'm not mistaken, I feel like he battled some injuries while he was here and uh you know it's unfortunate um to see there 's so many guys. it seems like there 's an abundance of guys that are just going in the portal if i 'm not mistaken, I think I saw there 's over a thousand kids in the portal already i mean it's it 's just honestly it 's outrageous right now and unfortunately, you know majority of those guys probably aren 't really even going to see better situations. I hate to say it like that, but it 's true. I mean, you have a thousand guys. Do you really think everyone 's just going to you know end up in a better situation? No, I mean sometimes I wish they 'd understand that it 's almost best just to to you know fight, compete work your way up the depth chart, do what you have to do, you know, be a go getter, you know, don't, it's, it's not always just going to be handed to you, but um, it, I guess, I don't know. I guess this is what we're used to now, right? I mean, this is a new landscape in college football. So I guess instead of complaining about it, we just have to adapt and get used to it and, and use it to our advantage. Yeah. And uh, this is going to continue
4: to grow the number of players enter, entering the portal because the, the window for FBS athletes is December 5 through January 19. And uh, last year, if you just look at it, the the players who entered the portal, and again, they are allowed to return to school. Uh, Whether or not the coach will want them back is uh, another issue, another question. But I think a a lot of kids are going to enter the portal to see, well, if I'm out here and a coach comes to me from another school – And they can dangle a little more NIL money than I'm making here. I mean I I, I think a lot of that is is sort of uh, searching for cash. But um, I I am surprised by JoJo Earl. I'm surprised by Tommy Brockermeyer. I thought the Brockermeyer twins were going to be sort of uh, the, the blocks of granite uh, on this offensive line for several years and, and were going to be sort of foundational pieces for Alabama for a long time. The fact that uh, Nick Saban was able to go into Texas and get them uh, uh, the, the center and the tackle – And both five-star recruits, and they had uh, their father played at Texas, and to get them out of the state I thought was a huge recruiting coup. And for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked out. But so, Christian, I wanted to ask you, in the NFL, I know that after every season is over, there are exit interviews, I believe, with probably your position coach and your head coach, and you can give us details on that. Is there something similar in 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 at, at Alabama or in college football in general? Do these players know precisely where they stand with the coach in terms of the depth chart? Uh, and and uh, and I know that you know Alabama still has a, a bowl game to play. But would, say, a JoJo Earl have met with the wide receivers coach? Would he have met with Nick Saban? And would would the coach then tell him, okay, this is what we uh, – the coach would honestly tell them, this is how we envision you next year. This is going to be your role as long as you keep improving.
5: Uh, Absolutely. They they do meet with them. Uh, Now, as to what it all pertains and entails, uh, somewhat – what you alluded to you'll, you'll hear basically. So first, first and foremost, you'll meet with your position coach. He'll have a breakdown of things that he felt, you know, that you did well this season, things that you can look to improve upon in the off season. And he'll kind of give you like a little detailed, a little breakdown on what he saw from you and and what you need to work on moving forward. Um, There's never any like discussion on, Oh, this is where you sit on the depth chart because quite, quite frankly, you know, every team is a new team each year. Right. So, they're not they're not going to sit there and promise spots to people right now they can tell you you know we have plans for you in this role and and, and have expectations to, to see you step up sure but there's no okay you're going to be our starting XY X, X, or z whatever you're not going to hear that because they're not out here guarantee guaranteeing spots once you meet with that position coach you'll meet with coach saban on it, with the like what we call exit interview right same type of deal, and he basically almost reiterates probably what the position coach wrote down, and he might add, you know, his uh, personal notes to that as well. And uh, that's that's pretty much how they go about it. I mean, I, for instance, like I think back to mine. Um, going into my senior year, you know, he, when I met with coach Saban, he mentioned that we had a lack of depth at inside linebacker. He wanted me to, to work with the inside linebackers in the off season somewhat and gain some experience at that position, just in case, you know, during the season we had any issues come up or any injuries, I was able to, to slide in that role if needed be. Um, so those are the type of things you'll talk about in those interviews. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming sometimes guys going into those interviews and they might not necessarily like what they hear. And maybe that could influence their decision to enter a transfer portal. But, you mentioned, you know, if they're just trying to do it for a cash grab. I hope that's not the case. Let me let me explain something real quick. You know what, guys? Take a guess. Guess what guys got paid every month uh, before I got here, a few years before I got here. Take a guess at what they got paid every month, uh, even to live off campus. You guys got any guesses? Uh,
3: four four thousand dollars a month. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I know that you get a couple of grand for uh, you know for lodging. I, you you tell us.
5: Hundred
3: and twenty-five dollars. Wow! Wait a minute. I mean, that, that was yeah, no, your, no, no, your no, lodging.
5: No, you heard that right. No, right? One hundred twenty-five dollars. Now let me explain something to y'all. <laughs> that, that's why I get aggravated when I hear this stuff, because I don't think people understand how far we've come. Right? Like you can ask guys that were here before us. So they they didn't hardly get a penny. Now, obviously, the guys that lived in apartments, they got more for their lodging, a little bit more, right? But just enough to cover their lodging. we did not have anything extra to spend. Like I I think when I lived in the dorms, I got like a hundred dollars a month that might've covered my, I had a truck. You think that covered my gas? That doesn't cover your hair. (laughs) (laughs) My point. And luckily, you know, it it increased a little bit. You know, I think my second or third year might've been a few hundred dollars for guys in the dorms. Then off campus, you get roughly around 1600 to maybe upward of $2,000. That's what you're getting. Right. And we made it work. You know, we we you know what I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't the, the largest amount of money, but we made it work. And so if 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 I'm if I hear one more kid going to support like like and not to mention these guys have a fund, an NIL fund now, where everybody's getting what, thirty, thirty K, forty K yearly, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. Depending yeah. on the school and Depending program. Depending on the yeah. school and program, but these major SEC schools, I mean I'm I think on average it's thirty to forty K. I mean that's just ridiculous. Yeah.
3: Well, and and, and that's – man, that's a subject in its own right. Uh, I want to put it in reverse a little bit, though. What do you do with JoJo Earl during practice? I mean, are they practicing for the Sugar Bowl? I mean, what a uh, difficult situation that puts the coaches in. I'm assuming that so, the guys that
4: enter the transfer portal basically are out on the team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that, is that well, correct?
5: Yeah, so they're not practicing right now. So normally in this span that you have, you know, waiting to play, you normally – we take kind of a break from actual practice and we'll be doing, you know, we'll lift weights, we might meet some and we'll probably do like some seven on sevens, but there's no like official practices um, for like a span of a couple of weeks. Um, and then they'll get back into the practice. But uh, as you basically were saying, yeah, there, uh, if you're in a transfer portal, uh, I, I highly doubt that you're practicing with the team. Now, if you make the decision to come back and remove yourself from the portal, then obviously you can probably come back around the team and, and do everything. But uh, I mean, realistically, what? How, how do you look to a coach? <laughs> you you just put your name in the transfer portal. Oh, I sorry, coach. I was just testing the waters. Now I'm coming back. Like, good luck with that. I don't. <laughs> I think if you're in the portal, you might just that need to stay create there. goodwill. No.
3: No, oh, I mean, and what, and what are your coaches thinking? <laughs> well, they I mean, can't trust you. You gonna do turn around, and do it
5: again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, it's like the girl that leaves uh, and comes back, leaves and comes back. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I wouldn't know anything about that. (laughs) Would you, Lars? No, Uh. not me. Hey, let's talk about some Auburn football on the other side of this break. Our good friend Terry Henley will be joining us. And don't forget, in one hour, Jimmy Burrow, the father of Joe Burrow, will be joining us right here on Big Noon
1: Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
0: My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer.
3: Back on Big News Sports, Christian Miller, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter. Our thanks to Joe Gaither and to Josh Smith, our producers extraordinaire, and Hardy and Jonathan, whoever is uh, hanging out with us today. We appreciate you folks joining us at our uh, flagship station at Tuscaloosa at 100.9. We have three stations in the Birmingham area. And then the, for those of you in East Alabama, in, um, Anniston and Gaston, we thank you folks for chiming in as well. Uh trying to hook up with Terry Henley. We'll get him online here in just a minute. Were you surprised this morning when you read that uh, Zach Calzada was going to transfer? No, I wasn't. Hey, Matt, I, I, I think... Mean, uh, there, but you can go I,
4: ahead and bring Terry on
5: if you'd like.
3: I'd, I'd rather you interrupt than not. Yeah. Hee-haw, Terry Hanley, uh, former um, All-SEC Performer, SEC Player of the Year from many years ago and a good friend of the show joins us. Uh, Terry, how are you, man?
2: Just, just living that dream, baby, yeah.
3: <laughs> How's the hunting going?
2: Everything's ever going well. I hadn't shot anything yet. <laughs> I just go out and sit in a tree, just go out
3: and set in a tree and enjoy the beautiful forest, you know. So that's about it. Uh, Terry, when we talked to you last time, I think you were uh, you were pretty adamant. And a lot of people were about Lane Kiffin getting the head football coaching job at, at Auburn. It didn't happen that way. I'm not asking you to defend your position, but uh, I am asking you for your opinion on what happened. Hugh Freeze is the new uh, new Auburn football coach. Well, he's he's Auburn's
2: coach, and he's, he's my coach. I mean, you know, that's the way I feel about it. I mean, uh, you know, Lane Kiffin, uh, I don't – I'm, I'm going to be a hypocrite here and Lane Gibbon was my choice. Uh, but Lisa Henley says I wasn't her first choice either. So, I mean, you know, and turn, I turned out all right for her. So, but, uh, ne- nevertheless, nevertheless, he, he's our coach and that's who we going to who we're going to get behind. And, uh, we're going to go on our winning ways. I mean, uh, you know, Coach Jordan once told me, he said, "You know, believe it or not, Terry Auburn's going to have a football team whether you're here or I'm here." Okay, and that's <laughs> that's what we got here. You got to get behind Auburn, not just one person.
4: Well, give us your assessment of Hugh Freeze. Uh, I've spent some time with him over the years, uh, and he is uh, really impressive when you're with him one-on-one. I assume that you have spent some time with him, or you certainly will uh, shortly if you haven't. But uh, your are just overall, uh, again, your analysis of, of the hire.
2: Well, I think I think that they hired a guy that they, they wanted a they wanted a guy that could bring a, a, everything together. You know, bring the Auburn uh, people together, make it exciting for them again. Uh, and and I think that's what they got. When you look around at the candidates that they had out there, I think um, I think he he's probably one of the biggest splash candidates that were on the market. Period. Period. He's a fine football coach, and and uh, it, you know there's no question about that. I mean he he's he's won a lot of big ball games. He's put together teams that. That um, you know at Liberty up there, that nobody thought you could win anything, and and has done very well. So he's a he's a football coach uh, at heart, no question about it.
5: Terry, what was your reaction to uh, Hugh Freeze keeping Cadillac Williams on staff after what we saw um, from him uh, during his time as interim head coach for Auburn?
2: Monumental. I mean, just uh, Cadillac is a is a. I wouldn't doubt if one day they put a statue of him out there, you know. So he, he's just a, a true Auburn guy, a great person, good family man, uh, loves Auburn to death. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been very blessed to know known New York man since he was uh, in the ninth grade and was there at his announcement in MSA when he announced to come to Auburn. And I think Auburn... Uh, loves him to death, and that's how I think they repaid him. They wanted
3: to keep him in that energy. Terry Henley is our guest on Big Noon Sports. Terry, uh, the hiring did not go without its pushback, and to be quite honestly, I think I can speak for all three of us a little bit more than anticipated. Uh, how would you address that, and will this time heal that
2: well, yeah, time heals all, guys. You you know that. I mean, whether you're a bad quarterback and you turn into a good one, people don't tell, talk about how bad you were. you know. I mean, there's not too many people that, that remember I fumbled three times in the first half of the Georgia Tech football game. You know what I mean? They forget, you know, because you run two touchdowns the next week. So, you know, you, you try to make people forget, and I think that's the same thing we're going to have right here that time will heal all and pass. And uh, when he's starting, uh, when he's whooping everybody in the conference, uh, uh, we don't want him to remember this negativity that came out.
4: Do you think uh, Tank Bigsby is going to go pro? Uh, I've read that he's a a pretty good, like strong day two prospect, meaning uh, he'd go in the the second uh, second or third round. Um, Do you think this is sort of Hugh Freeze's number one recruit right now is trying to get tank to come back. And should he come back?
2: Well, if you don't get tank, you got to get hunter. Okay. You, you got to get Jack West honor. If you don't get tank. Okay. That's, that's the, cause you got two good ones. Okay. So, uh, tank, uh, I would not be surprised if he went in the draft, uh, you know, I would not blame him, and the reason why, because a running back's lifespan in the NFL is not very long, you know. Uh, you know, so you got to grab the money while you can in those situations. I, I mean, I would not be mad at him if he went in the draft, uh, you know, announced here in the next few weeks.
5: Terry, do you feel that Robbie Ashford with Hugh Freeze can make that, that jump in in progression that – that we feel like he might need to make uh, in order to, to be retained as a starting quarterback for Auburn? Or do you see them reaching the portal potentially and uh, searching for another quarterback?
2: My goodness, I just heard in the portal they got, what, 10, 12 quarterbacks in the portal and lots of them five-star guys. So, um, Robbie to me, guys, is, he, he's uh, – I watched New Orleans Saints last night and in, uh, in, in Tampa Bay. And you see number seven playing for New Orleans and how versatile he is. And we all know what position he played. Uh, he was a quarterback at uh, BYU, right? And uh, I think that's how, uh, Robbie Ashford. I think he is a versatile player. Uh, is, is he is the quarterback that you want to decide on? I don't think so. Uh, but I've never coached one, you know. So, uh that's just strictly my opinion. I think his talents will take him to another position.
3: Terry Henley, Auburn's Terry Henley, is our guest here on Big Noon Sports. Uh, a candid question with a follow-up, serious. Um, Terry, you would have led the league in NIL. Um, what would have been your first product? And then, seriously, what do you think of NIL right now in its current form? Well, I
2: think. I would think that my, my top product would have started with my hair, and then maybe a little cream for my face, you know, and, <laughs> and uh, maybe a nail salon to get my nails done. I like that, you know. <laughs> if I broke, if I broke a fingernail, I took two days off for practice, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, You were a metrosexual
4: listen, before the term metrosexual existed. <laughs> I had a blow dryer at
2: you know, I told y'all that it upset me the other day when we had the reunion of the '70 team. Uh, the reunion of the '70 team, and I looked out there, and the deep snapper had white shoes on. It really upset me that a walk-on snapper at Auburn it does nothing but snap the ball is getting to wear white shoes, and they wouldn't let me wear white shoes. It it was very upsetting.
3: (laughs) Are you in favor of the NIL and its current forms that need to be changed?
2: No, no. It's got to be changed. I don't think you can maintain the money flow for years to come in that. I think sooner or later, it's just like uh, Hugh Culverhouse when he gave the money to Alabama and, when, the, when he passed away, the son said, hey, I'm finished. And what they do, they took his name off the building, right? Uh, so, you know, I just don't think you, you're you going to be able to maintain the cash flow that is generating right now uh, for the NIL, uh, NIL to uh, uh, proceed in its state that it's in now. I think there's going to have to be some kind of caps on these things. I think there's going to, it wouldn't surprise me if the NFL came in and and, you know, is it's turning into a
4: development league anyway. Do you think Robbie Ashford is the long-term answer for Auburn at quarterback? And, you know, can Hugh Freeze uh, drop his uh, quarterback uh, pixie dust on him and, and, and really turn him into uh, the player that I think a lot of people think he can be, especially with his throwing that still needs some development? or do they look to go into the transfer portal and and get, try to go after a, a high end player uh i just just reading that uh jt daniels once again is is back in the transfer portal do you go after a guy like that who maybe could come in for one year and be the starter and give ashford some more time to develop well i think he's
2: going he's going to go on the portal find quarterbacks i mean you got to. Yeah, you know, Auburn had three this past year and all came from the portal. And, and, um, and at their state of their, when they were playing, I don't think any of them could start for the Gobble Heights Black Knights. You know, I mean, really. <laughs> I mean, I'm, being, you know, seriously. I mean, I think their coaching was you poor be at best uh, uh, there. I think it was very poor. And, and, uh, Robbie's a talent. I mean, there's no question, but, uh, Guys, you know, if you can't throw by the time you're 21 years old, you know, what I mean, it's no matter how much coaching you get, it's it's hard to turn that around, and especially when you got six six, three hundred guys in your face, you know.
5: Terry, how long of a, of a turnaround do you think this is going to be for Hugh Freeze? Do you do you feel it can be a, a quick one where, you know, by next year, within a year or two, they're, they're already back in the national uh, conversation? Or do you think it might, you know, take a little bit longer than that?
2: You you know, you asked a very good question, and I'm going to tell you, uh, they with the portal the way it is today, and not only, you know, you're going to get this portal and then what is – Closes back and then it comes back in May, I believe, if I'm if, if, I'm, if I'm not wrong of the dates. You can build a football team within a year, year and a half. I mean, if you're you're looking at it, uh, I believe I I saw this morning that Alabama that they had twelve of their players leave. You know, well they were twelve from a highly recruited class, so. Did they leave because uh, they wasn't strong enough? Did they leave because they didn't like the coach? Did they leave because they didn't like the system? So you you got a chance to pick up some very good players out there, uh, you know, here in the next few days. I mean, and you can build your football team. Guys, you know, it it can just be two players that you need, or it could be just that linebacker that you're looking for, that safety that, that changes everything for you, you know? It could be like a uh, the Hill guy that plays in the NFL. I mean, my goodness, uh, was it Tyrone Hill, in, uh, the little fast guy from Livingston down here? Yeah, Tyreek you know, Hill. One player like, yeah. Said, yeah, it could be one player like that. It could turn your team around. And so that's why the, the that portal is so important. But you better. While you're in that portal, you better be out here stomping the recruiting grounds and getting these high school players, because you've got to have these high schools to be the feeder to your school and and uh, bring your teams along uh, year after year after year.
3: Terry, for those that didn't listen to the TC and John Ed show, would you please inform everybody to the existence and the uh, the uh, I don't know the Hall of Fame Black Knights. Of Cobb Heights,
2: that's John Ed Willoughby, the uh, the Desert Fox. He was called. Uh, he was the head coach uh, <laughs> for the Cobb Heights Black Knights, the Pee Wee team we had uh, over in Cobb Heights. We had the best coaching staff that you could ever have. You know, we had uh, half a dozen Alabama players and a half a dozen Auburn players, and uh, and I was the assistant head coach even though he never let me call a play or
3: anything. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and we won cha- And we won, we won
2: the championship every
3: year. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've heard all about it. T- uh, Terry, thank you so much. Have a great day. Enjoy your hunting season. Thanks, Terry. Uh,
2: yeah, thank you, guys. Enjoy the show.
3: Good deal. That's Terry Henley Auburn.
1: Covering SCC Sports, like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports.
4: You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel, redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops Apparel, clothing designed for the modern-day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Fiore, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the, Miz the Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley. Luxury game, day apparel redefined.
5: Hi, I'm Emmett Smith, Pro
4: Football
0: Hall of Famer and three-time champion. Trust me, I know about joint pain. Pro Football's all-time leading rusher, Emmett Smith, talks about chronic joint pain and exciting new... hours it took you to wrap your
3: trees and bushes and outline every peak and gable of your house with lights. If you've lit up your house in any way, we want to see it and share it with the rest of Alabama. All submissions will be qualified to win $1,000. So when your house is lit up, go outside
0: and snap a Pick and send it to us on our free app, sponsored also by Hudson Pool Fine Jewelers and Townsend Honda. Let's light up West Alabama this Christmas. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very mild afternoon, cloudy with a few passing showers through the evening hours. The high today, 73. The low tonight, 63. Tomorrow, a warm December day, a mixture of clouds and sunshine with only isolated showers around. The high, 76. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 71 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
3: As we continue to grow Big Noon Sports, we're going to uh, ask and, and urge that you participate in the uh, in the program for us at 205-342-9904. Uh, we are going to take a lot of calls next hour until we get Jimmy Burrow on. So, again, if you want to dial in now, it's 205-342-9904.
4: Some pretty cool news came out this morning that uh, Alabama's Will Anderson has been dubbed the best defensive player in college football once again, winning the his second consecutive Bronco Nagurski trophy. Sorry, this was on Monday night. Uh, I didn't find out about it until this morning. But um, he's the only the second player in history to win this award. Two years in a row, and you got to go all the way back to Pat Fitzgerald, uh, who's now the head coach at Northwestern, and who was an amazing middle linebacker at Northwestern. I mean, he he like represents Northwestern so well. I love Pat Fitzgerald, but uh, uh, Christian Will Anderson winning the sec his second consecutive Bronco Nagurski Trophy last night. What makes him such a talented, talented player?
5: You know, he just has so many things going for him. There's, there's, it's almost what can't he do? And uh, I say that because um, he obviously has really good pass rush ability, um, leading the nation last year in sacks and um, having a, a very successful this year as well. Um, he, he plays the run great. Uh, you just watch this guy. He flies around full speed, uh, plays, uh, you know, so physical. He plays like an old school type of player. You know, he just runs in there oh, with his head gosh. down and. And is just ready to just to hit somebody, and, and he's willing to put his body on the line for his teammates. And it's just, again, he can drop in coverage. He's athletic enough to do that. And uh, people aren't even going to probably realize this, but he's really been playing out of position. Uh, half of the half of his snaps that he's played here at Alabama, you know, they have him slide down to a four eye, which is basically an inside shade of the tackle. And uh, at the next level, he'll never see that uh, that, that position ever. He'll always be. Um, at the at, in a five technique um, would be the furthest inside you'd ever see him at the next level, um, if not at the outside linebacker position playing in like a wide nine technique off of tight ends. But, um, you know, the, the fact that he's able to have so much success, you know, playing in a four-eye technique at 245 pounds and still able to affect the quarterback and just leave his mark um, this guy is truly special, and uh, he's the epitome of of, of a hardworking, relentless um, sideline to sideline type of guy. And uh, he's he's hard to come by. He's a very special player, Christian. He's coach. also
3: a physical freak. Yeah, That's and right.
5: coaches hate comparisons, but we love comparisons in the yeah, media.
4: Who's absolutely. he? Re- Who does
5: he remind you of? Uh, it's tough to say. Uh, somebody that plays nowadays, maybe like a Khalil Mack. A little bit smaller. He's not as big, but I would say maybe a Khalil Mack, uh, minus about 15 pounds. But the sky's the limit for him. He has so much potential. It'll be interesting to see where
4: he goes in the draft. Texans have the first pick. I think they'll probably go quarterback. But Will Anderson and Bryce Young, I think, are going to go in the top three, Matt.
3: Join us on the phones, 205-342-9904.
0: First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name is Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold, where the highest rated precious metals.
1: Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Right. Yeah, Store. Do,
6: do it to the back. Well, kind of an angle return, Pate. Yeah, that's kind of wow. That's kind of that's the, that's the route that
1: McCaffrey does and Alvin does. Great job, just persevering. I wish the all would have called timeout earlier, right, just to just to have a chance. They ran your, your, your,
6: your Yeah, they ran the old Gronk special kind of the tight end out that he you know ran forever, but now they also have the back there to run that angle yeah. angle return.
1: Yeah.
3: There you had it from the Manning's perspective last night when Tom Brady pulled off his forty fourth fourth quarter comeback. Do you know who he passed in the all-time record book for a fourth-quarter comeback? Joe Montana? No. The guy calling it. Peyton Manning. Which I By think, way, you know what, that speaks volumes for Peyton Manning because his career was far shorter than Tom Brady's. How good is the Manning broadcast?
4: I don't watch the other one. I don't either. And
3: Couldn't... they're and it's good. No, 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 no offense.
4: But... It's just you feel like you're sitting in the living room with them. There's never been another sports show like it, and I love it when they, when they had uh, Randy Moss on last night for an extended time, just telling stories. I mean, it, it, sometimes I, I feel like players don't know what they don't know in terms of, like, we want, as, as, as reporters, as fans, we want you to take us into the huddle. We want you to take us into the locker room and... What I always tell my students is, uh, in, as a writer, you want to take readers to places they can't go themselves. That is always a winning formula. You know, Use description. And that's what the Mannings do so well. I love it. And, and Christian, you do it so well, too. Like You, you take us to places we can't go ourselves. But, but, Christian, do you enjoy watching the Mannings? How do you take in uh, Monday
5: Night Football? I love it because it's the perfect blend of – uh, you're getting like that—that that comfort, casual, as if you're just sitting at a bar stool talking to, with these guys about football. But it's also a very convoluted conversation because it's—they're—they're they're breaking it down, X's and O's, and, and explaining, you know, route concepts and and um, going beyond just you know traditional play calls. They're—they're they're explaining every little detail, but in a fun, casual, laid-back way that that makes it easy for people to kind of understand. And and I actually love that because it allows of fans and and people that don't necessarily understand the true ins and outs of football to really gain that behind the scenes perspective um, from the mind of one of the best quarterbacks to play the game. Well, two of the best quarterbacks to play the game and uh, in such a fun, casual way as if you're just hanging out with them, um, just like you would hang out with your friends. So I love their broadcast and uh, I think it's uh, the perfect blend of, of, um, you know, teaching about the game, but just a nice, casual, fun feel to it.
3: And, and what, what I think you guys both hit on is, is the fact that you feel a part of the conversation. Yeah. And, and what they're really, really good at is they bring in a Moss. And Moss suddenly feels like he's sitting in their den, too. So.
4: I mean, they, they brought in Barack Obama. I mean, they can get anybody <laughs> they want. But who, in who, Matt, in your mind, who has better comedic timing? Peyton or Eli? I think Peyton, but I
3: think Eli. i got to go very, with Eli. i, I got to go with very, Eli. He's very slick. Eli, he's, right. he's hilarious We're going to gonna do this and open up the phones, okay? Uh, I want to know who, and maybe they've appeared, and I don't know about it, but who do you want to see next on The Manning Show? In the meantime, we'll go to Mike, who is dialed 205-342-9904. Welcome into Big Noon Sports. <laughs>
6: Hey, guys. Good afternoon. How are y'all doing today? Doing
3: well. Great. Thanks All for right. coming in. All right.
6: Fantastic. Great show as usual. Fantastic. Uh, listen, hey, I want to ask you guys, and I saw tongue-in-cheek, but uh, I caught the tail end of the Terry Henley interview. Uh, did, would y'all kid him? Did y'all ask him uh, about him being wrong about the
3: army coach? What did he say? Oh, you know, Hello? he 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 fessed up. You know, he, he fessed up. You know, he <laughs> said he was, he was wrong. But you know he did like most Auburn family members do. He embraced yeah. trees. Let's get behind this guy and move on.
6: Okay, I got you. All right, That's cool. I'm just I was all tongue in cheek, but I was wondering. All right, listen. But you know he is right, guys. About uh, you know the situation with NIL and transfer portal. You know something does. You know there's going to have to be something done where you put a cap on it, or you have you know the rules are made in life about guidelines and things, and, and I don't believe that, well, everybody says, well, there's nothing that can be done. Uh, I don't totally agree with that. You know, it's like you, when you make a commitment do things in life, like going to the military or whatever, you know, and it is a shame. Uh, Kristen, I know you brought up last week that, you know, when you played at Alabama – when you make a commitment to do something and these, you know, and you would tough it out and, and try to fight it out and work your way all about the process or work your way up to the top. And now it seems like these guys, you know, when things don't go their way, well, you know, I'm transferring somewhere else, you know what I'm saying? So that is, you know, kind of a shame. Uh, I just want to hear your thoughts. What are, what do you think of some, some legitimate situations with like moving the portal data or whatever? Do you think that would help the situation? Uh, And one more thing before I hang up, I want to ask you, um, I don't think Bryce Young – I want your opinion on this. I brought it up last week. Do I think he deserves to win it? No, I don't. But Booker McFarlane stated last week on national television that Bryce Young, to him, is still the d quarterback this year in college football. So I do think at least he deserves some consideration for the Heisman, but he won't get it because Alabama lost two games. Uh, do you think he deserves some votes? And if not, who do you think will win the Heisman this year? And I'll hang up
3: and listen. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Good call. Where do we start?
4: Yeah. um, Let's start with the uh, Heisman finalists. They were announced yesterday, and uh, it's uh, Georgia's Stetson Bennett, our guy. Our guy. I I hope he wins it now. Uh, USC quarterback Caleb Williams, TCU quarterback Max Duggan, and Ohio State's C.J. Stroud. And I tell you, Christian, this is a tough one to break down. I if if I had a vote, I can't believe I'm saying this. Stetson Bennett, Stetson. I would vote for Stetson <laughs> Bennett. A lot, and I think Stetson Bennett uh, out of this group will probably finish uh, last out of uh, the finalists. And if I were a betting man, I would probably go with Max D- Duggan out of uh, TCU because of his gritty, gutty, performance in the Big 12 championship game, even though they came up short. I mean, that kid just laid it out all on the line. Uh, What do you think uh, of these finalists? And and what is your sort of breakdown of of who you
5: think will win? Oh, man. Honestly, this is is so tough uh, because I don't feel like there's just one clear-cut winner this year. Um, I feel like you just have a handful of guys who, in their own right, respectively, um, have earned the the, the the right to be mentioned in this conversation and, and winning the Heisman Trophy. But it's tough because I just I don't looking at these guys and these candidates, man. I mean, like you mentioned, Max, Max Duggan, you know, very tough quarterback, and he's, he led TCU to a undefeated regular season. They fell short in the in the the Big Twelve championship, but. Um, you know his performance alone was just remarkable, and you know he he looked like a Heisman um, winning candidate that game. Um, you know, Setson Bennett has done a tremendous job with Georgia this year. Um, you know, granted he's twenty five years old. I did not know that until <laughs> recently, which is crazy. It's is he year. older than you? No, no, he's a year younger than me. But still, I'm like twenty five. Man, shoot, I, I know guys that are four year NFL vets that are tw- <laughs> that are twenty five. I'm not knocking the yeah. guy, but man, I, I did not realize that. No, I, I think. Th-
4: he might be older than Joe Burrow. By the way, we're going to be speaking to Joe Burrow's dad here in about 20 minutes. Uh, the, the odds-on favorite, Matt, is uh, Caleb Williams out of USC. Do you think he wins it?
3: Well, probably so uh, when you talk, start
4: talking about the geography of it. But the problem is, like, the last game, the he last was, images, he was not good. He got hurt. I, I understand that. And the last image we have of uh, Max Dugan uh, is it Dugan? Duggan. Duggan. Gosh, I, just like the I'm movie. Terrible. You remember uh, Max
3: Duggan returns? Yeah. I think it's actually Dugan, <laughs> but Dugan. Okay. But whatever. But, but anyway,
4: the last image we have of him is almost willing his team to victory. You know, and and giving so much that he could barely walk off the field. It was. It, it reminded me of that iconic moment when Kellen Winslow. Blocks a field goal in the in the uh, San Diego Miami game, and and he was cramped up so bad he had to be carried off the field. You know, it was one of the greatest singular performances in nfl history i'm not comparing that to what max did but but it reminded me a little bit of it for once you have shown your
3: age before i did yeah Uh, christian probably has no idea christian has no idea what what we're talking about was 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 hooker i think hooker got a raw deal he got a raw deal he should
4: have been invited a lot of people think that hooker should have been invited over stetson bennett and if if hooker doesn't get hurt
3: is there a number I mean do they have to say they they have have three, four.
4: Have five, five? four. okay yeah i well, think they i think they, they cap it at four yeah they don't they uh they don't want to pay for all i those think plane tickets i think it's caleb williams City. at this yeah. point though. nissan has no money
5: you, what's, what's you, you think it's caleb yeah i mean if you look at I mean, you just compare his stats to, to max duggan i mean caleb williams even in that lost that loss that he suffered uh, against utah i mean he still threw for three touchdowns and uh 363 yards and then on the season he's got he's at four thousand yards passing 37 touchdowns through the air uh, along with 372 yards um, and 10 touchdowns as a runner so i mean those are those are some uh, pretty impressive numbers you know then he you know goes to usc and they had a great season you know they fell short at the end but i think it's pretty much his to lose at this point
3: and don't discount the garnet and gold and the popularity returning to trojan football um, There are a lot of people that go, oh, wait a minute, I, I uh, forgot, I had a vote. Now I'm going to vote for USC. But um, sentimentally, I'd like to see Stetson Bennett. I'm glad he's going, though. I think that's cool. Although, if he wins it, there's no way he can lift it.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I have no response. Are you, are, you he's too, are you saying he's too old, Matt? <laughs>
3: Saying he's itty bitty. No, (laughs) you're right. He's too old and and too weak. That's
4: what Jay Barker always called me, itty bitty. Yeah. Uh,
3: You know what? Shout out to Jay. The the pen is mightier than the sword, though. (laughs) That is true. And and your pen is mighty. Um, All right, let's go. We always get the last
4: word. We always get the last word. Uh, Don't you forget that.
3: 205 342 9904. Give us a shout on Big News Sports.
1: The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Drives in. Oh, mercy. Oh, my goodness.
0: Tomorrow, a warm December day, a mixture of clouds and sunshine with only isolated showers around the high 76. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 72 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
5: Welcome back to the show, Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter, Christian Miller, Lars Anderson.
1: I joined Uber One because I
5: got a got an, another guest coming up, father of Joe Burrow, here shortly. All right, Christian, yeah. uh, I'm going to ask you first if
3: you're uh, uh, watching Manning and Manning. Uh, who would you like to see? And I want to. What I really like is when they bring in folks outside of the sports world. So, and of course, right now I can't think of any. But you know, I think David Letterman was on it a long time ago. Yeah, and and guys like that, uh, or guests like that. Katy Perry, I think, was once. You remember her big deal at Ole Miss a few years ago, and they ended up beating Alabama. Probably don't need to bring that up for Christian, but uh, you guys got somebody that ha- you. That you would really like to see on Monday Night Football with the Mannings,
4: Taylor Swift. Mm. Uh, uh, I, I don't. I just watched a documentary on her, and it was just absolutely fascinating. The, the, what she has gone through, and 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 how isolated you become when you just become uber famous, and the fact that she writes her own songs. I mean, it it is very rare. It's blue moon rare. For a uh, vocalist as talented as her to actually write her own music, and I think it's because she writes her own music, that's what infuses it with power, because it, it, it comes from the heart, and she sings from the heart. Anyway, I, I just I'm, – I've I'm become, become, become a Taylor Swift person all of a sudden. On, on that note, is it possible to have that many failed
3: relationships? Uh, okay i just thought yeah th- i just threw uh, rain on you uh,
4: i will look in the mirror uh, <laughs> yeah, how about that yeah but she's relatively young
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: who would you like to see on christian
5: man um that's tough you know i i enjoy um you know the people that they've had you know with all the you know big athletes and whatnot but i do think it's entertaining when you do have special guests that um aren't in the realm of sports um i think it's always entertaining I don't know. I'm trying to think. Maybe maybe somebody, uh I don't know, somebody entertaining. Something like a comedian or something would probably be funny. Maybe Dave Chappelle. That's my favorite comedian. I feel like he'd be hilarious. Boy, he
3: stands up for it too, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. He's not afraid to, uh, <laughs> to ruffle some feathers. No, I, I like Chappelle. <laughs> um, I don't know why, and I still am now, because I think he's a pretty darn good actor. I'd like to see Mark Wahlberg. Did you like Invincible?
4: Uh yeah yeah I uh, had a chance to play golf with Mark uh and I totally blew him off. It, well, you know, right, he still right, talks about that today. Yeah, I know it, it really upset him. Wait a minute um, wait a minute no, this, this is, is before... Befo- come, come on come on this is before, was before he was it, it, Marky Mark it, no it, he was like the. Uh, I don't know, the Grand Poobah of the Indy 500 one year, the Grand Marshal. And um, and for, I was in close with the people at the Indy 500. And, you know, there's a golf course inside, inside, yeah, the inside, in, and out, in, inside right? the track. Yeah. yeah. And it goes outside of the track, too. And um, I was paired in a foursome with uh with Mark. And uh, but the tee off time, it was like 630 a.m. That's not good uh, for Laura. No. I, and I had a little too much fun the night before. You blew off Mark Wahlberg? I did. I wow. did. wow. It was horrible. Uh, but, you know, another person I had to blow off one time was Tom Brady. He called me uh, on my birthday, and my mom had just gotten into town from uh williamsburg virginia hadn't seen my mom in a long time like she literally just walked through the door and tom calls and he's like hey i got 20 minutes man let's 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 knock uh, another interview out and i said and i explained to him and what was going on he's like hey be with your family just be with your family and then it became impossible to get in touch with tom brady uh oh! But yeah, but but, mean, but no! But I mean, to call Mark. Walmart? But don't you think I did? No, no. But because <laughs> I didn't need. It was just sort of. Uh, it would have yeah. just been fun. I didn't need him for a story or anything. Uh, that, that was on me. Totally on me. I uh, I fess up to it. But um, yeah, I you know, Christian, did I make the right call there? Like you have. Let's just uh, say you, you haven't seen your dad for you know six months. And then most famous athlete on the planet is calling you. Do you go to your dad or do you go to the famous athlete?
5: I think my dad's going to have to give me about 10 minutes to uh, take care of business real quick.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I probably yeah. should have done that. Um, that one's excusable. The Mark Wahlberg deal. Well, I don't know about it. You know the difference between Indy racing and NASCAR is? The Indianapolis, the Brickyard, has a golf course. The Daytona five hundred has Lake Lloyd. They have a bass fishing tournament. Yep. So nice. Doesn't that pretty much weigh out?
4: Yeah. Yeah that that is that is the difference. Uh I gotta say though, I prefer the Indy five hundred. I think the Indy 500 is one of the most underrated sporting events in the country. And, uh, it doesn't translate well to television because you just, you, it, it's hard to appreciate how fast they're going, you know, 220, 225 and the straightaways. And, and also, you know, those, those, those cars just stick to the ground. And man, if they touch each other just by a quarter of an inch, uh, it's, it's literally could be a death trap yes and uh it it is uh it is an amazing uh day an amazing event and i would encourage everybody even if you're not a motorsports fan just go once just like talladega go once to talladega to feel the thunder of the horsepower uh beat on your chest to smell the burning rubber to uh, just uh, have your eyes be absolutely dazzled by the 190 mile an hour speeds, it doesn't translate well to television. You know that better than anyone, Matt.
3: I do. I, racing doesn't, period. But I, I think you know, as much of a you know a motorhead I am with with NASCAR, you're right about the Indy 500 and and Talladega is more than a race. It's Talladega, but the Indy 500 is more than just a race too. I mean. What do they used to draw, 350,000 people? Yeah,
4: it was annually the biggest, uh, most well-attended sporting event in the United States uh, annually, and I, I think it's getting back to that. But, hey, coming up next, we have uh, Jimmy Burrow, father of Joe Burrow, going to join us. And uh, Jimmy and I sort of have a uh, been, – we've known each other for quite a while. We have a Nebraska connection. But, Christian, before we get out of break here – what is it about joe burrow that makes him so good uh it, it's sort of like hard to define because he he doesn't have the monster arm uh he's not like a cam newton uh but but what you know built like a cam newton physically intimidating like that but what is it about joe burrow that makes him so good
5: well i think he can make all the throws you need him to make but uh, I, th- I think ultimately you look at his mindset and uh he he's just the ultimate competitor, you know. I, I think he just had a uh, really special progression. You know, I played against him his junior year when his first season at LSU, and um, that was when we shut them out at LSU. And uh, you know, he, he he you know he played well that game, but you know he, he definitely saw his his progression and growth after that season, uh, obviously the next year they went on to go undefeated and win national championship. And I think he just continues to develop. And uh, again, you know, he's an accurate passer. He might not have the biggest arm, but he can make all the throws you need him to make. But I think uh, his mindset uh, helps him out a lot. Then, you know, you, you watch him in the pocket. He has great pocket awareness. He escapes and eludes uh, defenders, um uh, day in and day out and, and you just watch him you know he, he almost is a magician kind of uh Bryce Young-esque uh per se if you watch him sometimes um and he also can scramble and make plays uh with his legs so there's a lot of good things that he does but I think ultimately you know his leadership and uh his continuous uh growth is is what sets him apart
3: that's Christian Miller along with Lars Anderson Matt Coulter more and including yes we're going to talk with Joe Burrow's dad in just literally four or
1: five minutes This is the Big Noon Sports Network. If you own a small to medium-sized business that kept employees on payroll through COVID, you may have a big cash refund waiting for you. The employee retention credit is a tax...
3: Back on Big Noon Sports, we appreciate all of you listening, and especially in our uh, affiliates, Gadsden, Aniston, right here in Birmingham, and also in Tuscaloosa. Matt
4: Coulter, along with Christian Miller and Lars Anderson. We're now joined with Jimmy Burrow the uh, father of Joe Burrow and, uh, proud to say, graduate of the University of Nebraska in my hometown of Lincoln, Nebraska, and uh, longtime defensive coordinator at Ohio University. And that's uh, where uh, Jimmy and I first met when I did a a story on Ohio and their rise to prominence uh, in Sports Illustrated. Jimmy, how are you doing today? Thank you for joining us.
7: I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on.
4: So Jimmy, just first first question uh, about Joe. He's playing at such a high level. What what is the difference that you've seen in him? Just uh, you know, the season started a little slow, and I know there was the appendicitis that kept him out of training camp. But now, really, seems to be uh, hitting on all cylinders by going on the road and beating the Titans, and then on Sunday beating Kansas City uh, for the third straight time.
7: So it did start out uh, a little slow, and and I do uh, attribute some of that to not necessarily the injury itself, but just the lack of practice, uh, which I guess is a result of the injury. But he had two weeks uh, during camp that he couldn't practice, and then there was no a preseason game for him. They didn't want to play. They don't. They don't. Zach Taylor's philosophy. They don't. Play starters much in preseason, so all of a sudden he's playing one of the best defenses in the league at that time, the Steelers, with probably not much preparation. But he would tell you he didn't play well uh, out there in the first couple of games for whatever reason, and then uh, uh, we had a, a a new offensive line, pretty much four of five uh, new starters. So it just took a while, and and uh, and it was it was really. Similar to last year too, Joe had come off an injury and and uh, just took us a while to get started, but you know, the last several weeks we've really been playing at a high level.
5: Jimmy, I uh, had the opportunity to play against Joe. I played at Alabama twenty fourteen through twenty eighteen in my senior season. I played against him down in the bayou. Um and that year I think we beat them, you know, we shut them out at home, but uh, the following years, when you know he led them to an undefeated uh, season and a national title, what was the biggest catalyst for for Joe's progression from his first season at LSU to his next, where we really just saw him transform into a whole new player and really just take over college football?
7: Well, a lot I think had to uh, to do with certainly Joe's uh, development. He he really hadn't played much football in college, and and that was his fourth year in 2018. So. Uh, he, he needed to get a lot of games under his belt. And then, uh, uh Coach Orgeron and, and Coach Ensminger brought in, uh, uh, Joe Brady, uh, retooled really the offense from, from scratch, uh, hardly ever went under center, uh, had some dynamic, uh, people. When you have John Jefferson and, and, uh, Jamar Chase and Clyde Edwards Allaire and Ferris Marshall, uh, you know, you got to find a way to give them the ball and they did they they totally went to a spread offense which that was what joe was most comfortable with and uh had a lot of great defensive players uh coming back and uh you know it just it just took off and uh, uh you know we had 14 plays guys drafted uh at lsu from from that particular uh, uh team and uh a lot of them are stars in the NFL, but I thought Coach O'Gron did an awesome job with that group and and uh, uh, bringing in Joe Brady, working with Steve Insminger, and and uh, uh, in my opinion, one of the so let me just say, in my opinion, the the best college football team that's ever been. I'm sure there's arguments for, uh, for against that by a lot of people, including some Alabama fans. But, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Proof is in the pudding.
3: Uh, Coach, as you well know, uh, Lars Anderson is a huge Bengals fan and therefore a huge Joe Burrow fan. Uh, He still laments the last play. He still (laughs) laments, and it's painful for him to talk about Lamar Chase being open, last play of the Super Bowl, and that. Does Joe ever talk about that, and and is the Super Bowl sticking his crawl or serve more as motivation? No, I
7: mean, uh, he's always – just like anybody that that played uh, any football, really, you, you remember for a long time those those games and which you lose. But he uses it motivation. Uh, I think he's mentioned the, some things that Kurt Warner, who we have a relationship with from my days in arena football, he, he mentioned that you know that, that uh, it, it took the the Rams a long time that after they lost the Super Bowl to get over it. And Kurt, looking back, said we. We didn't. We just failed to celebrate how we got there and how great a year it was. And, and Joe's mentioned that, but but I think m- more than anything, uh, motivation. But if somebody uh, asked him about things in the past, I mean, he he, re- he remembers those games, but he tries to learn from them. And I'm sure the next time uh, uh, he'll he'll put those things that he learned to good use.
4: You know, Jimmy, I wrote a book with Bruce Arians, and B.A. is constantly asked by parents of uh, kids who are 10, 11, 12 year twelve-year-old, how can my child become an NFL quarterback? and And what Bruce would always say is play multiple sports. And that was sort of the the number one mm-hmm. key advice he would give. I assume that you get that question yourself quite a bit uh because of you know who your son is and also your background in coaching so what what do you say uh to those parents who who ask you what can I do to have my kid become the next Joe burrow well i i'll
7: i will i will uh I'll talk about that multiple sports uh, Theory, which which I'm a big advocate of, of multiple sports, and I've used Joe as an, an example. He started playing soccer. He ended up playing. He was playing baseball fairly early, uh, basketball, uh, you know, football. He, he started in, in third grade, and and I think all of those things helped helped him develop the competitive spirit, the teamwork, uh, hard work, and 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 all of those different. Sports that, that helped him eventually in football, and then uh, just keeping busy during during uh, as he grew up and and, and focusing on different sports. I, I think it's a it's a big thing. If we'd have chosen one sport, let's say between Joe's sixth grade year and, and his ninth grade year, if we just said, "Okay, Joe, uh, we're, we're as a parent, we're going to recommend you, you you just pick one sport." And, and let's roll with it, and, and that would have been basketball. And it was because he was further along developing in basketball. He, he had more games under his belt. Uh, he was travel basketball. His body type was was leaning toward a little more being a basketball player. So, you know, we could have we could have missed out on, on, a, on a lot of football games over the years if we just said, okay, let's pick one sport. But, you, you know, you, you can't push – Young kids in, in any direction, but as a parent, you can certainly be positive. Uh, you know, in, in your reinforcement of, of what they're doing, you, you can be encouraging, and and you can help them develop in any way that that they're willing to do. Joe was always uh, good at wanting to, to practice and, and and do things in the off season, and you know we encourage that. A lot of times, we just like in AAU basketball, we drove Joe. Uh, two times a week, or actually, his uh, his mom Robin did two times a week, about an hour uh, down the road here to to practice uh, with a travel basketball team. So you can always be supportive, and and uh, you know, not not everyone is is going to be as fortunate as as say Joe to be an NFL quarterback, but uh, be encouraging and do what you can to help them uh, realize that dream.
5: Jimmy, watching. Um, Joe now, or you know, having the success that he's having, did you always see that in him? That you know he would one day be one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League. And uh, if you did, at w- what moment did you you realize that he had that potential?
7: No, I I think early. Uh, once again, back to multiple sports and and in, in basketball and baseball, uh, there was uh, you know opportunities for him to show his his competitive spirit and his his leadership even at at an early age. So I I knew that. And then uh, once once he started playing football and and things are third, fourth, and fifth grade, you know, the coach is is putting these these guys, and Joe had a lot of good players around him. Some of his best friends, uh, you know, played college football. And uh, they put him in shotgun, and I'm I'm watching third and fourth graders Throw it around. I'm going. I don't think that's normal. And I've seen a lot of football, but you know maybe there's there's a uh-huh. chance down the road. But never would I expected national championship, Heisman Trophy, first round draft pick. I mean those are those are those are dreams that uh, you know really uh, they are dreams. And, and ours came came true. But uh, I, I knew he had talent to, to play Division one football probably after his tenth grade year. Uh, because again, he he threw the ball all over the place, and and uh, we won a lot of games at, at the high school out out here. Uh, so you know those those are those are times that you look back and say, well, at least I, I knew he had a chance, but not not to the extent. If I knew all those things, I, I would probably go back into college football as a recruiter and and sell sell that method, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jimmy Burrow Joe Burrow's father is our guest here on big noon sports if we talked about basketball I'm assuming point guard quarterback whatever if Joe had not gone into sports as a vocation would he have been a geologist uh, you know a pharmacist though <laughs> uh, did he did he lean in any direction other than sports
7: well he he, he was in business you know things stock market those type type things uh, always uh, uh, interested him uh he had done a, an intern internship while he was at ohio state at uh, uh on wall street and and kind of you know created even more interest so i think it would have been in, in something to, to do with with financing and and stock market those type things uh uh you know i can't now seem sitting behind a desk uh eight to ten hours a day but uh uh you know he he had other interests and and but really i think all along especially once he said he was good enough to get a scholarship to ohio state it was pretty much out of one track nine of, of what he wanted to do and fortunately for him it worked out
4: jimmy how has your life changed in 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 your in the life of your, your wife uh since joe Had that magical season at LSU and won the Heisman, won the national championship, first overall pick. Your son leads Cincinnati to the Super Bowl in his second season after coming off an injury. And and now he has Cincinnati rolling Mm -hmm. again this year. But how how, for you personally, how has your life changed with his uh, his his stardom? Well, we're
7: we're we're taking a lot more pictures with fans nowadays than once upon a time. And that, huh. that kind of all started at, at LSU. And, and, uh, uh, you know, we, we're, we're good with that. So when we, we go out here in Athens or especially even uh, Cincinnati and Baton Rouge, New Orleans, just a lot of people, uh, you know, think so much of Joe that, that they want to talk to us. And somebody says, well, don't you get tired of talking about, joe and i said no he's, he's my son and football was was my life also so you put those things together and uh, i'm always uh, uh willing to, to talk to people about things and and uh you know we started the joe burrell foundation uh, uh a, a few um about a month or two ago and and uh that keeps us busy i'm the vice president robin is the secretary of treasurer uh joe's the president and then uh uh, she's a principal over, at, uh, elementary school, about 30, 30, miles from Athens. So, uh, I, I have, a, I have more time to, to be involved in that. Hopefully one of these days, you know, she'll, she'll have the time that we can both fully commit to, to, to doing this uh, foundation. And just in case anybody's listening, they can go to org. It's a, it's a great cause. We, we're working to uh, help families out that, uh, their, their children have mental health issues that are struggling to pay bills. And then the food insecurity issues uh, uh, that, that kind of came to light when Joe's Heisman speech, we're focused in on that. So, you know, those are the type of things we, we, we keep busy. I do a few speaking things here and there and, and uh, uh, show, shows like I'm doing with you guys today. Is, uh, is, is, and that's, that's fun. That keeps me busy.
5: Well, I love to hear about that kind of stuff. I think it's so uh, vital to you know give back to the communities in any way that you can, uh, especially when you have a platform to do so. I wanted to ask you, with your background as a defensive coordinator, how did that uh, help with Joe's progression? You know, did you help te- teach him some coverages and some uh, some things to look for when he's back in the pocket? Uh, how did how did your background, you know, being a defensive coordinator, uh, help with uh, Joe's, Joe's development as a quarterback?
7: A lot of people think, you know, that, that we just sit here and, and watch film every, every night for, for all those years going up. But but we, we really didn't. You know, I didn't I never wanted him to, to feel like when I got home from the office that, hey, you gotta watch film with me tonight. But there were times that, that we did and certainly I was able to, to concentrate on, you know, showing him a three deep zone, a two deep zone and things like that. But I think probably more so than than anything is he He went to all of our games, you know, whether I was coaching at, uh, 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 you know, Athens uh, or at at Ohio University, I guess that's where he first started going to all our games. So for 14 years, 12 years, he was going to all these games and he knew I was a defensive coordinator, knew I was the safety coach. And so I think he would tell you that he, he watched, you know, the people I was coaching more, more than anything. And he wanted to play defense uh, all through high school. And, and had played safety or corner, you know, growing up, but they wouldn't put him in there. And even at uh, uh, Ohio State, when when he wasn't playing, uh, he he loved the physicality of of of, of uh, kickoffs and things like that. And he tried to get Urban Meyer to put him on the kickoff team, which he never would do. But I think just watching a lot of football and growing up in the, uh, a defensive household, so to speak, and. Jamie and Dan, my, my older boys who played at Nebraska, they were defensive players and had a lot of conversations with him. So, uh, quarterback worked out pretty good, though.
3: Fantastic stuff, <laughs> Jimmy Burrow. Thank you, and we hope you'll join us again very soon. Thank you, Jimmy. Really appreciate
5: it. Thanks, Jimmy.
3: Well,
7: I grew up about 130 miles from there. Amory, Mississippi, northeast uh, uh, part of the yeah. of the state. So very familiar with. It's Birmingham, Tuscaloosa, and
3: uh, I, I love it down there. So uh, you guys have a good day. Come see us. Barbecue's on us. Back in a flash.
1: Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside, this is Big Noon Sports. Drive to-
0: 63. Tomorrow, a warm December day, a mixture of clouds and sunshine with only isolated showers around the high 76. I'm James Spam of the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 73 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
3: Big noon sports. Appreciate everybody dialing us in on our many affiliates in many cities, Gadsden, and Aniston area, here in Birmingham, and then our flagship station in Tuscaloosa, Tide 100.9. Many thanks to Terry Henley, who joined us earlier on the program. Auburn's Terry Henley, talking about uh, the future of Auburn under freeze. And then uh, just finished up an interview with Jimmy Burrow. That's Joe's dad.
4: Uh, just fascinating stuff from a very proud papa. I had no idea that Joe Burrow was begging to play on kickoff special teams when he was at Ohio State and not in the game, but it makes sense because the, the the guy is very gritty. Christian, when you were on the field with Joe Burrow in his first season at LSU, and I, I thought you asked this the perfect question of, of Joe's development, his ascendance from year one at LSU to year two was unlike anything I've ever seen before. But when you were on the field with Joe that day when you guys, you know, you handled LSU, shut them out, could you have foreseen that Joe would become the player that he is now?
5: Uh, if I'm being honest, not not to this extent. Um, you know, he definitely you know, was a good player that day. Um, but I just remember we went into it with uh, kind of a chip on our shoulder because I remember <laughs> – we watched his interview. They asked him, you know, what his thoughts were on playing Alabama, and he kind of shrugged it off as, it was, as if it was another football game. And uh, we, 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 we kind of went into that game wanting to prove a point because we knew that he hadn't faced us yet. He had just transferred in, um, but I respected him because after the game, he came up to all of us, uh, you know, defensive linemen, front seven guys, and uh, gave us his respects and uh, basically just said, you know, hey, we're y'all are a hell of a football team, and uh, just wanted to pay his respects, but. Um, no, you know, I know he was tough. He was gritty that day. Um, but did I see him transforming into uh, one of the top quarterbacks in the world? Uh, I did not. But um, <laughs> but just knowing how tough he is and how gritty he is, and, and now that I uh, can understand the type of mindset that he has of, of just always wanting to go out there and compete and dominate his opponents and uh, just find a way to win, uh, it, it's, it's starting to make a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, it's really cool to see. Uh, you know, the things that he's doing now, then to to be able to hear his dad speak about it. I think it's just really cool all around.
3: What do you say we line up and do this again in 22 hours? Let's do it. Sounds good. Have a great day.
6: Are you in bad pain? You know what I mean. Your knees hurt. Your shoulder hurts. Your elbow and back are constantly killing you. And I'm sure...